0: And welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. Hey, Jessica, let's talk about socks. Whoa, sure. We're going (laughs) to jump right in.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we are. It's like sock club. Socks are, I think, the unsung hero of knit world.
0: Yes, I think you're right. They are little. Sure.
1: I mean, maybe they're big. I don't know what kind of feet (laughs) you all have out there. They are portable. Yes. They don't use a ton of yarn. They're a knit for all seasons.
0: Absolutely. They are also one of the few types of knitting that you could do without a pattern. Like once you've done a few, maybe you just know how to knit socks for yourself. Or you can dive into all kinds of fun and exciting patterns and do different kinds.
1: Can I tell you that my first socks that I ever knit did not have a pattern? That's how I learned to knit socks. I believe that. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, I knit many socks before I ever felt brave enough to use an actual written sock pattern. I had a book, I can't remember which one it is now, but it was a book by the yarn harlot, uh, Stephanie Pearl McPhee. And In this book, there are different chapters that each focus on like different types of knits. So there's a chapter about scarves, and there's one about sweaters, and there's one about socks. And in the sock chapter, she gives you a formula. Oh, that's right. So like you measure your ankle, you measure the length of your foot, you take a couple measurements, and you do a little swatch and get your gauge and do a little math. And she's like, so you knit the leg for this long. And this is how you turn a heel fill in your X number of stitches. Yeah. And keep going. Now you have a toe. Kitchener stitch. You're done. And I thought that was great because if I had a single skein of sock yarn and some double points hanging around, I didn't need to do anything because I knew my number of cast on stitches and I could just make a sock.
0: Right. I feel like I see socks talked about with a recipe. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like you don't really talk about, oh, this is my sweater recipe, but you would totally be like, this is my sock recipe. And it's a pattern that you're not actively reading while doing the actual knitting part. Yeah,
1: you just know what you got to do, and you do it. You make mac and cheese at home so many times, you just are on autopilot,
0: and then you have dinner. (laughs) Can I tell you about the pair of socks that I abandoned for aesthetic reasons? Please do. So there's a dyer, Canon Hand Dyes. Mm -hmm. She does really gorgeous gradient skeins, and she'll do these sort of sock pairs where she dyes matching gradients in like two mini skeins. So if you want to have your two socks match up, she makes that possible. And I had picked up at a show. It was beautiful. It was like white to pink to red speckles. Mm -hmm. Do you remember this? I do. I thought I wanted the red down by the toes. It looked like I had had some kind of terrible accident. <laughs> <laughs> Toe trauma. I would say any other color that would have been the right choice, that particular color, I should have saved the red for up at the cuff. But mm. I didn't. And it did. It just I got one sock done and they were long. They were tall socks. Because it was like the mini skein. And so I didn't have to worry about saving any for the second sock. I was like, I'm just going to knit till this is gone. It was a tall calf sock that I knit. And I I put it on my foot and I was like, yeah, no, I'm just a yeah, danger toe. It was danger toe. And <laughs> I hung on to that hope that I would like frog it and just do it the other direction for quite a while. I want to try that with a different color at some point because it was really pretty. You know what I think is really funny?
1: You could have just stuck them in shoes. Oh, and right. Like worn them. <laughs> and who would ever know that you had red toes?
0: I mean, that's true. That's fair. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: But also, if you didn't enjoy it aesthetically while you were knitting, making yourself knit a second one, the second sock syndrome, can be a real emotional hurdle to get over. So I, I tease. It's fine.
0: Right. So let me tell you the other thing, though, about just putting things in shoes, and this <laughs> is not really true for me anymore. So before I started teaching as part of grad school, I was teaching Pilates and yoga. And Mm -hmm. in both of those worlds, what you do is you have shoes on, right? And then you get to the room where you're teaching and you kick them off at the door and then you go into the room. It's just like, yeah, how it's done. So when I started teaching Latin in grad school, there were probably, I would say, fully half of the days where I would be like halfway through class and look down and realize that I had at some point removed my shoes while teaching. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> really they would just leave my feet it was the weirdest thing but i feel like you could blame that if you want to show off your hand-knit socks be like oh yeah i've been doing a lot of yoga That's right. so <laughs> these clogs oh.
1: just won't stay on my feet
0: force of habit but oh look i'm wearing my <laughs> <laughs> like gorgeous stripey socks People have really strong feelings about sock knitting. Like, we have people that love to knit socks, and then we have people where socks are like the mountain they think they cannot climb, the very small mountain they think they cannot climb. Yes, it's one thing if you've knit some socks and you're like, you know what? Socks are not
1: my jam. I will just buy some. I'm not interested in knitting these. But the fear knitters, yes, they're like, I've knit beautiful sweaters and I knit hats and wraps and all of these things, but socks, I can't knit socks. And it's like, really?
0: You can. You totally can. Here is part of why I think that happens. If you have never knit socks and you're looking at a sock pattern and you're doing the thing that you should be doing, which is reading all the way through your pattern before you cast on. hmm I do it every time. Liar. No, I don't ever do it. <laughs> you're going to look at a fair portion of that pattern and it's going to look like it was written by a Martian. You're like, I don't understand what's happening here. Why is this? What can do? Right. That may make you decide I'm not going to knit socks. I don't understand knitting socks. It's confusing. I'm not doing it. That's normal. Mhm. And the best way to get through that is by doing it once or twice and then you're like, "Oh, I understand. It's kind of like the yoke of a sweater. Why am I increasing at these stitch markers and not these stitch markers? What's happening?" I personally think that socks are great skill-building projects. If you
1: are a knitter that is looking to get better at reading patterns, or following more complex instructions, socks are a great place to learn how to do that. Maybe if you are just new to knitting, period, and you've gotten through like a hat and a cowl, knit a sock next, because it will just help you build your skills. You're increasing, you're decreasing, you're going to learn some interesting little fiddly bits. And the nice thing about socks is that if you try a pattern and you're like, oh, I really don't like knitting a short row heel. That was not my favorite, but I really like wearing these socks. You can find a different type of sock pattern. Right. Because there are so many different ways to construct this cool little tube. Well, maybe it's not a tube really, because there's a closure (laughs) at the
0: toe. Like this neat little thing that fits on your foot and carries you through your day. Right. And so I think we've talked about this before. Ash Alberg, who's a designer up in Canada, was talking about how they design sock patterns and are aware that the people who knit them will often like take the pattern part and find a way to like hack it into the knitter's preferred method of knitting. In the same way that I think people are very particular about the socks that they wear on their feet, mm-hmm. people are very particular about the ways they make their socks, which is fun. So
1: many options.
0: So if you've never knit socks before, what's your Clue that maybe that's something you want to try. Maybe socks now? That's a good question.
1: I think hand knit socks are kind of like little bits of luxury. Like, sure, you could buy a sock, but it's never going to be as nice as a sock that is hand knit out of beautiful fiber. And when I say beautiful fiber, that doesn't necessarily mean expensive fiber, just beautiful fiber, and it's going to fit your foot exactly how you want it to. It's like the first time you knit a sweater and it fits you just right, and you're like, my whole life. I thought it just wasn't a sweater person because the arm scythe is not long enough or something for your particular body, like it is elevated. So knit a sock. You could knit practice versions of socks that aren't even going to be for your particular feet. Knit little kid sized socks or something to learn the construction and kind of get you over that first step hurdle and figure out that you really like doing this thing. There are lots of different ways to wear socks too not all socks are wear-in-your-shoe socks. You could knit some bed socks or house socks that you only put on when you're hanging around the house with the dogs and knitting, and those you can knit with heavier weight yarn and they will be cozy and warm on your feet. You might want really rugged socks that you can wear hiking and keep your feet warm because you are on a mountain or something, or just something like little and cute and ornamental. Lots of sock options out there for you.
0: So I would say once you have sort of mastered cowls or hats, you're ready to knit socks. I wouldn't necessarily, unless you're a very particular type of person, and only you know if you're this type of person, pick socks as the project you learn to knit in the round on, just because it's little and fiddly, particularly if you're using double point needles. There are really two accepted methods. For accepted methods, accepted. for knitting, <laughs> for knitting um, approved methods. Karen for... is
1: the knitting police. I keep telling you don't <laughs> exist.
0: Right. I'm, I'm undercover. I'm <laughs> very stealthy. So you can knit them on double point needles. Mm-hmm. And I think we've talked about the number of double point needles before in a previous episode. Some people will die with their fifth needle in their hands, and some people will die with their fifth needle still in the packaging <laughs> or lost. <laughs> Two right, right, times lost space. under a car seat. Or you can do magic loop. Magic loop sounds like something that takes a lot of skill to learn. It doesn't at all. It's just using a very long circular needle and then you pull the cord out to make a little loop that is like out of your way. It's like bunny ears. Yes. If you are using double point needles, the first little part of your sock can be really floppy and fiddly. Mm -hmm. So even if you are the kind of person that you're like, yes, I want to learn to knit in the round in this little tiny thing, you may decide that magic loop is your first method of choice. Just because when you're first getting started, when there's no actual structure to the fabric to like hold the needles in place, you have four slash five double pointed
1: tiny (laughs) sticks
0: in your hands. It can just feel a little awkward right at first. It's also totally normal for it to feel awkward at first and or every single time you start knitting. You'll get used to it. Yeah. And you'll love it or you'll hate it and you'll pick a method that you like. Really, the key here is you're not doing it wrong if it feels that way. Mm -hmm. It's fine. The first time you knit socks, when people come into the store, Jessica, you always, almost always suggest to them that for their first socks, they knit on Something that isn't fingering weight yarn? Yes,
1: I, I frequently do recommend that. And I think that the yarn experience in sock knitting, especially when you're learning sock construction, is sort of what makes or breaks you. Yes. So today we're going to spend some time talking about what good sock yarn is. But I generally recommend knitting worsted weight socks or DK weight socks, if you just are really opposed to worsted weight socks, because the knitting will go faster because your stitches are bigger. And you will have squishy, warm, cozy, wear them socks. And if they're not perfect, which often our first attempt at things are not, it's not going to feel lumpy and weird in your shoes because you've knit socks with the intention of wearing them on the couch. Right. And that that's a little bit more forgiving. And having the process go faster and feeling like you're having success and you're getting results and you're understanding the process, I think is encouraging to people as they learn how to knit socks. Working on size one or zero or even size two needles on fingering weight yarn can make for a very slow process unless you are like a super speedy knitter. It's a lot of stitches to make socks. So worsted weight yarn, I think, is a, a satisfying and quick way to learn that process.
0: Sock knitting can be a little bit hurry up and wait in that you have to concentrate quite a bit in like the toe part. You have to concentrate quite a bit in like the heel part. I'm assuming you're not doing some kind of lacy leg for your first sock, but maybe you are. But the part in between the toe and the heel and in between the heel and the top is kind of just autopilot knitting. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy with small yarn to kind of lose track during all the autopilot knitting and then be like, oh, darn it, I was supposed to have done this thing. It's a good idea to do your first socks with heavier weight yarn if you have the opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about a good sock resource for
1: people, particularly if you are a fiber nerd, if you love learning about the details of this handcraft that we all do. It's not a new book, but the book that I'm recommending to you is The Knitter's Book of Socks by Clara Parks. And I have a copy of this book, and I love it. And it's full of sock patterns. There's a lot in there by designers that you know, by designers that you maybe haven't heard of before, all sorts of different aesthetics. But Clara spends the first half of the book talking really intensively about different fiber, different construction of yarn, all of the qualities that go into making really fantastic socks, no matter what kind of needs you have for your socks. And it is dense. There is a lot in there. And today we are going to just kind of highlight some very cursory points that are important to you as you are thinking about picking yarn for your first pair of socks. Yes. If you hear this and go, oh, that's interesting. Maybe you want to dig deeper. Go find this book. We'll put a link in the show notes to the book listing on IndieBound so you can find it in a local bookstore
0: near you. So the first thing Clara Parks talks about is elasticity, and that is if you are somebody who has primarily purchased socks, you have socks that come in a bag from a store, and you don't like them, it's probably because of the elasticity. There's something not right. They're slouchy or too tight. You need to strike the right balance with the
1: elasticity of your socks. It needs to hug your foot because floppy socks are wrong. (laughs) I am just going to say that and people can fight me about it.
0: They're just incorrect.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> floppy sock in your shoe. It's right. the worst.
0: Especially the foot part. I guess floppy sock in the leg part is like an aesthetic choice.
1: Ankle slouch is up to you. Yes. The foot part of your sock needs to be on your foot. Yes. And it also needs to be able to like stretch and move. It needs to hug you, but not too tight. You need it to be able to stretch and open up enough that it, you can pull it up over your heel right. and get it onto your ankle and not feel like you're... Strangling your poor legs.
0: Right. So I think if you are somebody who has primarily purchased their socks from a bag in a store, they're cotton. Yeah, largely they're cotton. If you're knitting socks, you probably don't want to knit them with cotton under a lot of circumstances because cotton that is in commercially made socks isn't just cotton. It's like cotton with some kind of elastic element to it. Cotton that comes from a yarn shop is mostly cotton, and there's going to be very little elastic element to it. She talks quite a bit about plant fibers in her book, and commercial cotton socks
1: are knit clearly on machines, but it's such a fine gauge. That type of yarn isn't really available to hand knitters. Like You just can't get it. It's going to be thicker yarn. The stitches will obviously be bigger and feel bumpy on your foot. It doesn't have the bounce back and the memory that you need. Like There are a number of reasons that cotton socks are less practical if you're hand making them. And you're just not going to be able to achieve the results that you might want.
0: We'll see a lot of times Merino is a very common, particularly, you know, Indie dyed superwash Merino. I would say, speaking of superwash, Mm -hmm. that socks are one of those places where superwash is just from a realistic standpoint, a good choice. I agree. Because your socks are going to end up in your dryer. It's just going to happen. Maybe you're much more organized than either of us are and it won't happen. (laughs) But I feel like, I mean, my keys end up in the dryer. You know what I mean? Right, (laughs) right. (laughs) Yeah, so you'll see Merino, my favorite socks that I've ever knit for myself, I knit with a Targi blend. Targi's really hardy, so is BFL. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing we're going to talk about. You really need your socks to be hardy because you do horrible things to your socks, whether you realize it or not, that you don't do to other knitwear they're the hardest working things that we knit, I think. You do usually, I mean, it depends. It's a preference thing, but 10 to 20% nylon or some kind of nylon equivalent. Mm -hmm. There's other synthetic. There's lycra, which is actually spandex. There's... polyamide. Yeah,
1: like there are a variety of different synthetics that get put into socks to help strengthen them and reinforce them. If you have... Higher than 20% nylon in your socks, the way that the yarn will feel in your hands is kind of sticky, which I've never encountered sock yarn that has more than that, but I know it exists, and that's something I learned from Clara Parks. She says it starts to feel
0: tacky. I'm just imagining putting like a spandex sock on my foot, and I'm feeling a little upset thinking about it, like a full spandex.
1: That would be like a medical compression sock or something, I bet.
0: Thank goodness for wool. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah wool is fantastic it's got great bounce back to it and memory like it's a great sock experience the other place that you're going to get elasticity in your socks is the ribbing right like there is some amount of ribbing happening somewhere generally at the cuff sometimes it's the full length of the leg sometimes it's all over the sock but that really increases the hold on your leg and like helps your socks stay where you want it to And you'll find lots and lots of different types of ribbing happening in socks. Like you'll see one by one rib. You'll see staggered numbers like a three by one broken rib. There's all sorts of interesting ways that that comes together to make your sock
0: huggable. I have flat feet. So I really like socks, whether they're hand knit or commercially purchased, that have arch support kind of in them. Mm -hmm. And the best way I found to achieve that is have the foot be ribbed, like the whole foot of the sock. That's smart. I, I like it a lot. It makes a big difference for me and my comfort level. Mm-hmm. So what about the strength of the fiber and the strength of the sock? Yes.
1: So Clara Parks talks a lot about strength being essential to having good socks that are pleasant to wear and are long lasting for you. Because like we mentioned before, socks are not a super quick project. Worsted weight will be quicker, but is not fast under kind of any circumstances. But you can increase the strength of your socks in a couple of ways. Because they're under so much stress, like the bottoms, the soles of your socks are like supporting your body all day long. And depending on what kind of shoes you wear, there's lots of friction in certain points. We had a letter a couple of weeks ago about someone who knits socks for her partner and his boots kind of rub holes in them in the same spot all the time. Right. When you are choosing your sock yarn, you want to look for worsted spun yarn and not woolen spun yarn in most circumstances. Like for this first pair of socks, look for your worsted spun yarn. The process of worsted spinning, not to be confused with the weight, worsted weight, creates really strong and durable yarn, all of the fibers are aligned so that they're perfectly smooth. And you'll see that if you're familiar with superwash yarns, they're generally maybe always worsted spun. I don't know if I can think of woolen spun. Yeah, I'm having like a moment here.
0: (laughs) Right. No fact check, only forward motion. But I'm going to go ahead and say if there is superwash woolen spun, it is rare.
1: And new to me. We're gonna
0: find out that there's like red heart is, <laughs> you know? Uh. Like we're gonna we're gonna be like, oh, there was some we we're missing some very obvious thing.
1: Yeah, so you want that very smooth fiber that you get from worsted spun. And the tighter the twist that yarn has, the more resistant it is to abrasion. So if you have a loosely plied yarn somehow. That yarn is not going to be as durable. You'll experience more pilling over time and more breakthrough points where you have high friction. Something else that adds strength to your yarn is gauge. If you are knitting socks that have loosely gauged stitches, like there's a lot of space between them, more than is maybe recommended by the pattern, you might want to go down a needle size and try and match the patterns gauge. The tighter your stitches are, the stronger they are. Tensile strength protects those stitches, so it will wear well and last longer and need fewer repairs if you have dense fabric.
0: There is a little bit of a give and take with that, though. Like, if you knit on size triple zero needles, I'm going to say with a sport weight, yarn (laughs) right like don't knit yourself something that can stand up on its own right your feet will be sad you'll be sad
1: yep as you knit more socks
0: you will find the type of sock that you like yes
1: and maybe you will find that you really like knitting on size one needles and maybe you will find that you really like size 2.5 specifically and that makes the fabric that you like
0: The ply of the yarn can make a difference in its durability as well. So somewhere between two and four ply, single ply is just not going to be hardy enough. A lot of times we'll have people come into the store and they'll be like, I'm looking for a four ply yarn. And that doesn't really mean a whole lot. Usually we're like, what weight are you looking for? But with socks, that does make a difference.
1: Yeah. Ply can be confusing because there's the number of plies, which we're talking about here, which is the actual number of strands that are twisted together to make up the construction of the yarn. And I think maybe in the UK, someone will correct us. I think in some Australian patterns I've seen, they call for four ply yarn as the weight. And there is a whole weight system, just like there is right. like the American Craft Council yarn weight system, which is like one through six. yeah, And it's just numbers. There is a ply weight system, but is less commonly used and not listed on ball bands of your yarn. So that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the actual physical number of strands that's making up the yarn that you will use.
0: The other thing about strength with the yarn is that just make peace with it now. You're probably going to at some point have to darn your socks it's probably going to happen. You'll wear through the heel. You'll snag on a nail. A dog will run across the top of your foot. Things happen to socks. Mm -hmm. It just happens. Fortunately, there are lots and lots of things that you can use to darn your socks. Katrinkles has those super cute darning looms. You can get a darning egg or a darning mushroom.
1: Also super cute.
0: (laughs) Which are also super cute They do look a little rude. So just be ready for that. There's a
1: lot of giggling in our store lately. We brought in some um, darning eggs that have funny handles on them. And I mean, it's not a funny handle. It's It's just just a handle. handle. (laughs) But combined with the darning egg, there is like a wild amount of giggling.
0: There's a lot of picking up and people being like, what's this for? And we're like, oh, it's for fixing your socks. And I think they're really disappointed that that's the answer. It's a lot of smirking.
1: (laughs) You knitters are funny.
0: And that's fine. Darning is fun. We've talked about darning before. It's super fun.
1: It's part of the process. Yeah. Take care of your hand knits.
0: What about absorption? Yes.
1: Absorption is the other thing to think about when you're hand knitting socks. And here we are, friends. We have come to the time in the podcast where we are talking about sweaty feet, (laughs) (laughs) which I maybe thought I was never going to do. But here we are. Your socks, if they are socks that you wear in your shoes, are going to have a hard life they just are. Your socks have to contend with friction, but also inside of your shoes is warm and feet sweat. It's just a thing that happens. So you need to be creating socks that are acclimated to that and are appropriate to that so that they are comfortable in your shoes when you're wearing them
0: eight, 10 hours a day. Right. This is a place where acrylic yarn really may not be an adequate substitute. Because plastic wrapping your feet is not going to be a comfortable situation. It's just not. If you would like extra sweaty feet. Right. right, right. If your goal is. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but if you're trying to avoid that, natural fibers are your friend. So fibers need to have some am- like degree of absorption, an adequate degree of absorption to be comfortable. And you want fibers that have something called... Regain, high levels of regain. Regain is a term that's used to describe a fiber's ability to hold moisture, which once it's in the fibers, it's not directly on your skin. Right. I learned from this book that regain is different than wicking, which I did not know, but wicking is something that synthetic fibers do. Yeah. And it pulls water away, moisture away, but it doesn't hold it inside of the fiber, like fleece, like polar fleece apparel will pull water to the outside of it, creates a barrier. (laughs) Oh, interesting. But it's not actually in the fiber, but natural fibers absorb and they have regain. So nylon, which is, I think, cellulose based, it's a synthetic because of how it's processed. Sure. But it's not like a petroleum product. Right. Nylon has one to four percent regain, so it's a small amount. Cotton, Compared to nylon, has an average of about 8.5% of regain, which sounds like a lot until you look at wool's numbers. And depending on the breed and like how it's been milled, there are different amounts of regain with wool, but average, it's somewhere between like 13 and 17%. But it can hold up to like 30% moisture inside the wool before you can touch the wool and feel like it's damp. So based on wool that's oven dry to like zero humidity, it can hold a huge amount of moisture and not feel like you're wearing wet socks, whereas cotton socks feel wet on your feet much sooner. The most important thing,
0: bottom line most important, is that you need to find something that you love to work with and that you love to wear. If the thing you love working with is a single ply, 100% nylon yarn, and that's what you like to put on your feet. What is that, like fishing wire? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. If fishing line socks are the thing that make your soul sing, make and wear fishing line socks. It's like a little plastic bag for your foot. (laughs) Yeah, like these are guidelines for
1: things that make good socks, but you will experiment and find
0: what's good for you. Yes. And we support you. Knit some socks. Do you have a couple patterns to recommend for people who are interested in trying their first sock?
1: Yes, I'm going to give you my top three patterns (laughs) if you are new to sock knitting. So the first one is written for worsted weight yarn. It is called Little Squirrel. It's from Tin Can Knits, and they are super cute and wicked fast. If I ever feel the urge to gift knit socks for someone. It is the little squirrel pattern because you can whip up a pair like if you have a quiet weekend, maybe over the weekend. But they're really fun. They're top down. They're good house socks, super cozy. Another pattern that I really like is called Vanilla is the New Black by Annie Fletcher. This is also a top down sock, but I think that this is a great pattern for people who are averse to sock knitting because they're scared of turning the heel. This is a really kind of neat and simple ribbed increase that makes you have like this neat little triangle effect around the heel of your foot, and it's super fun, and her instructions are very easy to follow, so high recommend on that one. And then also, the Now and Next Sock by Marceline Smith. You might know her online as Hey Brownberry, but this is another top-down sock, and it has a unique toe closure, so if the thing that has been stopping you from knitting socks is not wanting to learn how to do Kitchener Stitch, she has a different method for you. So check them out.
0: You can also avoid Kitchener Stitch altogether if you do toe-up socks, so yes, there's an option for you. Hey Jessica, what's on your needles right now?
1: Yarn that is beautiful, and I am miserable knitting. <laughs> I'm working on a bulky weight cardigan that uses the bulky Mad Tosh yarn that I got when they had their pop-up shop at Scratch a couple of weeks ago, and it's gorgeous. I think it's maybe like a second of their tart colorway, so it's dark ruby red with a lot of black in it, but my hands are just not particularly fond of big needles, and it's a lot of stockinette on size 11s. So I'm knitting at a glacial pace because big needles, and it'll be nice to have a squishy, bulky thing to wear, but it feels like it's moving in slow motion, maybe backwards (laughs) a little bit. What's on your needles, Karen?
0: I'm knitting again. I cast on a Gresham wrap. I know we like sent that out in the newsletter from the shop, and we have it on the website. It is a really, as the designer will tell you, it's a very extra wrap from Blue Sky Fibers using the wool stock, like a bunch of different colors. I think seven colorways of the wool stock. It is amazing. I mainly knit sweaters. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of nice to knit something that isn't a sweater. I'm enjoying this like mental break. Mix it up. It's very wide and extremely long. It's a Minnesota sized wrap. Exactly. And you could totally do it not quite as long or not quite as wide. It's going to be gorgeous, but I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Yay. Are you ready? Oh? We have a letter. Yay! (laughs) Our letter this week is from Alyssa. Hi, Alyssa. Do you have any advice on finding Fiber World friends? I started knitting in 2018 as a way to cope with stress, and I didn't really think about making Fiber Friends at that point because knitting was the thing I did alone in bed at the end of a hard day. Now, after a long year and a half of crafting in isolation, I would love to have people to knit with. I have to go back to my grad school program this fall in a different state. I plan to find an LYS knit night close to my university and start attending that. Do you have any tips for finding knitting buddies in your area or making them online? I'm in my mid-twenties, so you would think I should be adept at making friends online, but I'm not. Any advice would be appreciated. Oh, Alyssa, finding
1: community can feel so daunting, at least for me. The thought of, like, having to actively find a group of people that you want to do the thing you love to do with can seem a little bit overwhelming, maybe particularly with handcraft, like knitting, where it's so well-suited to solitary work. Versus like being part of a running club or something or a soccer team where I guess you (laughs) need other people to do it, not a running club. That's a thing. Yeah, they do. But I think that's the same thing as like a knit night, right? Right. (laughs) So (laughs) I had to catch myself there. Well, I think that you've got the right frame of mind once you get settled in your new place, find your LYS, like feel out the community and it might just click and that might be your space. But if it's not where you want to spend your social knitting time, perhaps there is the potential to start a group on your campus for people that are like more your age peer group, if that's what you're looking for in your knitting community. When I started knitting, I also was in like a solitary knitter position for a very long time. And for me, the way I was able to connect with other knitters was through Ravelry, because it was still in those early days. And like that seemed to be the social part of that was really very active and thriving. And I think that some parts of it are for particular people at this point still, but it's maybe a little different than it was in the early years of the website. And that's not your only option. There are other crafting communities online popping up all over the place, and I would venture to guess that some of them do have social components. It's worth checking out to see what's available. And I think right now, Instagram is still in a place where it's possible to make friends. That way, it's helpful if you have a personal account, if you have some crafting content on your Instagram page, like maybe if you want to split things up, you can have a specifically knitting Instagram account or in your personal page, post your projects or your yarn sometimes so that when you go to engage with other fiber people, you're not a random car mechanic and bread baker who has no fiber content anywhere and people are like, who is this? car mechanic who keeps commenting on my stuff. Like (laughs) signal to the other knitters that you too are a fiber enthusiast. And then I think you just have to put yourself out there a little bit. Find people whose projects you love or who... Post things that are exciting or appealing to you and click their little hearts and then comment because the hearts are nice, but nobody is searching through them to see, I think, who specifically has clicked them. There needs to be a little bit of give and take. And eventually you're going to connect with someone who comments back. And maybe you two really like each other or a whole group of you do.
0: Yeah. The thing about, I think, particularly online interactions is that nobody has some kind of like, magic method for making them happen. But you reaching out to somebody and being like, hey, we're friends now online is kind of the most successful way to make a friend online. Yeah, it just kind of happens. But you have to be willing to put yourself out there a
1: little bit and be like, hey, that sock you knit was gorgeous tell me more about it or ask a question. And people by and large tend to be pretty generous and like want to interact with people over things that they're excited about too. So you have a shared experience ready to help you make friends.
0: Yeah. And in terms of like the local yarn shop knit night, depending very much on the shop and the culture at the shop, some of those knit nights are fraught. (laughs) 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 There are Territory wars over particular chairs. Everybody knows that's Betty's chair, right? Okay, Betty hasn't been here in six months. Like, what? Don't sit in Betty's Don't chair. Don't sit in Betty's chair. What if Betty shows up? <laughs> She's going to be big mad. And that can be really tricky. And I would say, like, give it maybe a couple of weeks, right? Because some of it's just like you're new, everything's just new. If it doesn't get better after a couple of weeks, nope out of there and try somewhere else. Or like Jessica was saying, start something of your own on campus. Yeah. And if your LYS's knit night is a hot mess, don't be
1: discouraged. It's not you. No. It's it's (laughs) whatever is happening in that space. It might be beautiful, magical, amazingness, or you might live in fear of
0: Betty, who you've never seen. (laughs) Just feel it out and make your choices. The other thing, because you are specifically going to be on a campus, knit in public. Yeah. Just knit somewhere where people can see you because you know what? People will stop and be like, hey, I do that too. Or you'll have to balance that with the people who are like, what are you doing? Are you making me a sweater? Which happens to me literally every time I've ever knit on an airplane. Somebody on the plane (laughs) asked me if I'm making a sweater for them. And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) just buy those socks? There's some of
1: that, but there are definitely knitters in the wild who will be like, ooh, one of us.
0: Yes. One of us. Yes. And if you see a hand-knit garment on a person, say something.
1: Definitely. That's a great way to make new knitter friends
0: admire their beautiful work. If you are questioning it, if you think maybe it's a hand-knit garment, say something anyway. Mm -hmm. Did you make that? Either they will say yes, or they will say,
1: Oh, no, Betty made this for me.
0: (laughs) And then you run.
1: (laughs) You're like, oh, it's that group. I'm scared. Yeah, you can do it, Alyssa. You will find your community. It'll take a little bit of time, but just be open to possibility because your knitting people might not be who you expect them to be, but you will love them and develop strong friendships. Speaking of knitting community, how's the knit along going? It's so awesome. Awesome. It's so ridiculously fun to see all of these pictures. Y'all are great. So I feel like at some point during this, I thought was two months too long for a summer knit along because people are cranking out these projects. They're knitting like the wind. But no, it's perfect because some of you are making multiple Jessie Mae patterns, projects, finished objects. Some of you are just finding out about the knit along and still have plenty of time to join us and knit. So this is like, it's been the sweet spot of time for exploration of her excellent catalog of designs. So keep posting pictures, make sure that you're using the hashtag MakeGoodMadeAlong, M-A-E-D, and we will keep sharing them in our highlights and clicking little heart buttons and leaving comments because we love you all. And on August 31st, we will button this show up. Well, not the big show, like the the (laughs) knit-along show. And... Pick a winner, and someone's going to get a gift card to go shopping wildly.
0: We're starting to think about our fall knit along. We really like this sort of themed but with choice Mm -hmm. method, so we're kind of looking at something along those same lines, and it's pretty exciting, so stay tuned for those details as well. They're coming soon. I think that's it for this week. I
1: think you're right. Thanks for joining us. You should keep listening, because we're having fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, and if you're not subscribed, she's going to laugh at me. If you're not subscribed to our podcast, you can subscribe on any of your preferred podcast listening platforms, right? I think so. At this point, I think we have it all covered. I think we're everywhere. If you want to see what we're up to, you should follow us on Instagram at makegoodpod, and we want to hear from you. So you can DM us. You can send us letters at Scratch at
0: scratchsupplyco.com. Can we do a, um, like a, it gets quiet, and then afterward I tell a crazy story? I think it's about to happen. Can I tell you about the weirdest knitting group situation I ever walked into? Yes. There was soup. (laughs) 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 Like, people were eating soup? There was a terrine of soup on a table uh-huh it wasn't plugged in it wasn't warm it was just room temperature room soup. temperature soup that was for the group to eat mm. Hmm. i did not stay to knit that day did for they... a couple of reasons <laughs> did they offer you any soup
1: no no it was for
0: betty what if betty showed up <laughs> right, right.
1: i hope it was gazpacho
0: <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> okay bye Hi.